This is the Calm Living Blueprint Podcast, episode number two. Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are feeling alone in your pursuit of calm and confidence, know that today, right now, in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of others all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. At Calm Living, we believe it's only when we stop struggling against our fearfulness and our anxiety that we begin to find lasting freedom from it, to live the lives we want to live. That is what this podcast is about. Come join the Confidence Revolution. Well, hello. Welcome to episode two of the Calm Living Blueprints podcast. I'm your host, Candice Esposito. Thank you for joining me and taking the time to listen. Before we get into the actual content, I want to let you know that the show notes from every episode are available on calmlivingblueprint.com. You can download the mp3 recording of the episode itself, get the key points from the episode, download the transcript, or any handouts mentioned. So don't worry too much if you miss something or if you didn't catch something, it's all there for you in the show notes. The show notes for today's episode can be found at calmlivingblueprint.com forward slash two. And that's the number two. Uh, It stands for episode number two. So calmlivingblueprint.com slash two. All right. So in this episode, we're going to shatter some common, widely held myths surrounding anxiety, fear, and confidence that may be stopping you from living the life you want to live. These myths are like rules for the game of life, but they are the wrong rules. You can never win if you are playing by the wrong rules. So if you want to know what these myths are, keep listening. I used to think of myself as damaged, broken, something that needed to be fixed. I lacked. I I lacked self-esteem. I lacked confidence. I lacked calmness. It was like I had faulty parts. Feelings of anxiety, negative thoughts, painful memories. All these things that needed to be removed or gotten rid of. Can you relate to that? Do you think that way about yourself? Well, I'd like you to imagine a chair... Okay, so imagine a chair that has four legs, but the moment anyone sits on it, one of the legs drops off. Okay, so imagine a chair that has four legs, but the moment anyone sits on it, one of the legs falls off. Would you describe this chair as broken or damaged? Would you call it a dysfunctional chair? Most people would answer yes. At least to one of those descriptions. It seems pretty obvious, right? Well, the problem with that answer is that it fails to take into account the extremely important role of 
context. Context. Now, this takes a bit of lateral thinking, but can you think of another context or situation in which this chair functions perfectly well, where it serves its function just fine? If you need to pause the podcast right now, you know, to take a moment to think, that's cool. So what did you come up with? What did you think this chair could be used for? Well, when I did this exercise, I thought, hey, this three-legged chair would be great for a practical joke, right? Maybe as a piece of art in an art exhibition of broken furniture or found art. Maybe as a prop for a clown's act or a comedy show. Maybe someone could use it in a woodworking class to demonstrate a certain design flaw. What about using it as an exercise, uh, kind of an exercise equipment for improving your balance, coordination, and muscle strength, where you'd have to sit on it and try to prevent the leg from falling off? The list could go on and on. In all of these contexts, the chair functions perfectly well to serve its purpose. See how things change when we look at things, at how things function in different contexts. And it's the same for us. No thought or feeling is inherently problematic or dysfunctional. Now think about how most models of psychology work. The aim is often to repair or remove. The belief is that there are thoughts, feelings, emotions, urges that are fundamentally problematic or dysfunctional. And much like that faulty chair... They need to be fixed, replaced, or removed. Well, I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be that way. I'm not saying there's anything wrong or bad about that approach. But if you are listening to this podcast, chances are that model hasn't worked for you. Taking into consideration context is a radically different approach from the norm, and it naturally leads to a different way of approaching social anxiety, depression, or any other similar concern. It's not about reducing or eliminating your so-called symptoms. It's about transforming your relationship with your thoughts and feelings so you no longer think of them as symptoms. The moment we label a thought or feeling as a symptom, it implies it's bad or abnormal, something that we need to get rid of in order to be normal. But what I've discovered is that it's that kind of attitude that sets up our struggle with those feelings and thoughts and ultimately causes the pain we experience. Okay, so let me use an analogy to explain this a bit further. Suppose there's a plant that you would label as ugly. Okay, a plant that you think, hey, that's ugly, growing smack in the center of your garden in your front yard. And suppose there is no way of getting rid of it without destroying your entire garden. Okay, you might be thinking, but there must be some way to get rid of it. I'm asking you to take a hypothetical leap here with me. Okay, just imagine you can't get rid of this plant. If you think of this plant as a weed, what's your relationship with it going to be like? Well, you probably won't like it. 
You don't want it to be there. Maybe you even get upset and angry over it. You could easily waste a load of time thinking about how much better your garden would be without it. Maybe you even start bringing guests to your back entrance to avoid them from having to see it for fear that they would judge you for having it. Maybe you even start leaving your house through your back entrance so you don't have to look at this ugly weed. So what's happened? This ugly weed has become a very important thing in your life, so much so that it's impacting your behavior. Now, what happens if instead of labeling it as an ugly weed, you view it as just an unfortunate fact of life, a natural part of the environment? It's the same plant in the same spot, but your relationship with it is changed. You no longer struggle with it. You're not upset or embarrassed by it. You don't waste much time thinking about it. Guests come in the front entrance. You leave from the front entrance. It doesn't impact your behavior. You no longer make it into a very important thing in your life. And as a result, it has much, much less impact or influence on you. Okay, this is called reframing. We move our thoughts and feelings from the old frame, the old way of thinking about our thoughts and feelings as abnormal symptoms that are obstacles in our way to a meaningful life. And we move them from that old frame into the new frame, the new frame where we perceive those thoughts and feelings as normal human experiences that are natural parts of a rich and meaningful life. As we move on in future podcast episodes, I'm going to teach exactly how to do this, how you can choose the relationship you have with your thoughts and feelings. But first, we need to shatter a few myths to make it easier for you to do that. These myths are part of the obstacles preventing you from reframing. So we need to squash these first before we get to the next step. You see, we put our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions on hold because we tell ourselves, I don't have enough confidence yet, or I can't talk to others yet, or I get too nervous. We think we have to possess these qualities before we take action. And the so-called lack of social confidence is not your fault. It's not. It's not because of laziness or negative thinking or a deprived childhood or a chemical imbalance in your brain. It's simply because you don't know the rules of the game. Society has given you the wrong rules to play by. Over the years, you probably bought self-help books, watched TV shows, and listened to well-meaning advice from friends, family, health professionals on how to overcome fears, eliminate self-doubt, and boost your confidence. And maybe those ideas worked pretty well, at least for a while. But I'm guessing they didn't give you what you wanted. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And it's not your fault that what you have been trying hasn't worked. 
Maybe you thought you weren't trying hard enough, or that you weren't doing it properly, that you weren't thinking positively enough, or not practicing relaxation techniques enough. These strategies can help in the short term, but rarely in the long term. Why? Well, because they are based on the wrong rules for the game. How can you win the social confidence game if you don't know the rules? You've been learning the wrong rules since you were a child. They're promoted in Hollywood movies, magazines, by pop psychologists, self-help gurus, hypnotherapists, motivational speakers, and the so-called common sense advice we get from professionals and our relatives. We are all too ready to believe the seemingly common sense advice without stopping to question where it came from and if it's actually true for us. As Mark Twain said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. So what are all these wrong rules? Well, I like to refer to them as myths. And we are going to shatter these myths right now. Okay, so myth number one. Myth number one is happiness, confidence are our natural or default states. Happiness, confidence are our natural or default states. Humans are naturally happy, right? Unfortunately, no. We just have to look at some statistics to tell us this isn't so. 1 in 10 adults attempt suicide. 1 in 5 suffer from depression. 1 in 4 suffer from a drug or alcohol addiction. 30% of the population in any given year suffers from a psychiatric disorder. And these stats don't even take into account things like divorce, loneliness, work stress, midlife crises, prejudices, bullying, and domestic violence. We've been conditioned to believe that everyone else is happy except for us. And of course, that belief just creates more unhappiness. The psychological processes of the normal human mind, okay, everything that's going on in your mind, they can often be destructive and create psychological suffering for all of us sooner or later. The default is not happy. Okay, so that's myth number one. Myth number two is if you're not socially confident, you're defective. If you're not socially confident, you're defective. And I could have easily replaced socially confident with anything else. Happy, calm, unafraid. If you're not happy, you're defective. This seems logical since if society assumes mental suffering is abnormal, then it must be a weakness or illness, something that is effective defective rather. So when we believe this myth, we often criticize ourselves for being weak or stupid or not like everyone else. But as I mentioned a moment ago, the normal thinking processes of the human mind naturally lead to psychological suffering. You are not defective. Your mind's just doing what it has evolved to do. What I'm going to help you do is handle your mind more effectively. 
Okay, so that's myth number two. Myth number three is fear is a sign of weakness. Fear is a sign of weakness. Again, you could replace fear with anxiety. Every normal human being experiences fear when they step out of their comfort zone into a challenging situation. This is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign that you're normal. If you don't experience this fear response when you take a risk or leave your comfort zone, then it means either there's something wrong with your brain or you're a fictional character like James Bond. Now, of course, the size of your comfort zone is going to vary when compared to, say, the next person, and that's okay. When you step out of your comfort zone, you will feel fear. That's not weakness. It's your natural state. And maybe just listening to this podcast and challenging your previous thoughts and beliefs is a step outside your comfort zone. If so, congratulations on taking that step. That is awesome. Myth number four, fear or lack of confidence holds you back. Fear or lack of confidence holds you back. What holds you back isn't the fear or the belief you lack confidence. It's your attitude towards them. The more you hold on to the attitude that fear or lack of confidence is something bad and you just can't do the things you want until they go away, the more stuck you become. Not only that, but that attitude can further increase fear and anxiety. It leads to fear about your fear and anxiety about your anxiety. You know, an obvious example of this is panic attacks. People are anxious and fearful about their anxiety. The more you struggle with it, the worse it gets. It's not fear or lack of confidence or anxiety that holds people back. It's their attitude towards those feelings that keeps them stuck. As Eleanor Roosevelt said, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. The danger lies in refusing to face the fear and not daring to come to grips with it. Okay, so that's myth number four. Myth number five is confidence is the absence of fear. Confidence is the absence of fear. Confident people don't feel anxious or afraid, right? Again, no, that's simply not true either. Look back at the previous myths. In a challenging situation, even the most confident people in the world experience fear. When you know how to handle it effectively, It doesn't destroy your confidence. That's the key. Confidence is not the absence of fear. It's your transformed relationship with fear. All right, and the last and final myth is myth number six. You should be able to control what you think and feel. You should be able to control what you think and feel. It's not that we have no control. It's more that we have much less control than the so-called experts have led us to believe. We have much more control over our actions. And this is where a lot of self-help programs go wrong or play by the wrong rules. They claim that if you challenge your negative thoughts and instead fill your head with positive thoughts, 
you will become confident or happy. I wish life were that simple. But no. If you're like me, you've already tried again and again to think more positive, but those darn negative thoughts keep coming back. Sometimes it helps temporarily, but it's just that, temporary. This myth is so widely believed that we tend to feel inadequate when our attempts to control our thoughts and feelings fail. Alright, so these six powerful myths are the wrong rules you have been playing the game by. They set us up for a struggle, a game we can never win, the struggle against our own human nature. I think myth number six can be the most troublesome, which is why episode number three is going to be devoted to breaking the illusion of control. We'll go over step-by-step how to escape the vicious cycle that illusion sets up for us. And we'll also start looking at the real rules of the game, which I know you want to get to. So I hope you can join me for episode number three next week. You won't want to miss it. And to make sure that you don't miss it, I encourage you to subscribe to the Calm Living Blueprint podcast on iTunes. If you do subscribe... Thank you. That helps us out since it kind of tells iTunes more and more people are listening. And as a result, iTunes puts the podcast a little higher in the rankings, which means more and more people will then be introduced to the podcast. So thanks again if you subscribe. Before I end this episode, I want to leave you with your home play for this week. Now, increasing your self-awareness is always a needed first step. It's important to notice all the little things you do each day to avoid or get rid of unpleasant thoughts and feelings, and also notice the consequences of doing that. Okay, so I recommend you keep a journal or spend a few minutes each day reflecting on this. And you can download a simple form that will help you do this from calmlivingblueprint.com slash two. The faster you recognize when and how you're playing by the wrong rules, where you catch yourself believing the myths that we talked about, the faster you can start playing the game by the real rules. Okay, so remember that the show notes, including that handout, will be up at calmlivingblueprint.com slash two. Remember the number two for which stands for episode number two, calmlivingblueprint.com slash two. So if you missed anything, want to download the transcript, the handout, or get any of the key points from the episode, it's all there for you. All right, so till next week, thank you for listening to the Calm Living Blueprint podcast. I'm Candice Esposito. Keep calm and carry on.